Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Really, unless you're indwelt by the Spirit, you're actually not a Christian in the biblical sense. We have people who are culturally Christian. We have people who are nominally Christian. We have people who identify as Christians because they were brought up in that tradition. But what the Bible describes as a Christian is somebody who is indwelt by the Spirit. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Galatians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21 in a message titled, The Spirit and the Flesh. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Today, we're going to just look at uh, verses 16 through 18, but um, we'll come back and just kind of make our way through down to the end of the chapter. But as we come here, I think it's important for us to recognize that we're now coming to the kind of the second half of the epistle, really. We're coming, we're coming to the to the application part of the letter. Uh, the first portion of the letter has primarily been doctrinal. Paul is defending his, his apostleship. He's refuting the false teachers. He's reestablishing their understanding of the, the doctrine of, of salvation by grace. And, and so up until this point, it's really been... Uh, you know, pretty much just a, a, you know, a doctrinal statement. So as we come to verse 16 of chapter 5, we now transition into the practical part of the letter. So now uh, we're, we're being called to respond, to now, you know, live out the implications of what he has been saying. And this is, this is quite common with the Apostle Paul's writings. As you go through his letters, you see that he pretty consistently approaches things like that. Not, not always, but, but fairly often his epistles will have a, a strong uh, doctrinal beginning, and then they will, they will transition into the practical aspects. And uh, that's very clearly seen in his letter to the Romans, where the first 11 chapters of Romans are basically doctrinal, and then when you come to chapter 12 to the remainder of the epistle, it is practical. It's, okay, this is, this is how you live now um, in regards to what has been said. So that's where we've arrived at now in this epistle to the Galatians here in verse 16. And so again, let me just kind of quickly, you know, set the scene. Paul has, I think, quite convincingly He's uh, refuted the, the false teachers. He's shown the error of their seeking to add on to the finished work of Christ, the law. And he's demonstrated that from the scriptures themselves, the, the law clearly was to show us our need for a savior. And then once the law brings us to the Savior, which was its primary intention, 
then the law has finished its, its job. And so that, that's pretty much what Paul establishes, argues and establishes in the preceding chapters. In, in Romans 10, 4, he, he puts it like this. He says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So that's, that's in one sentence, that kind of summarizes everything that Paul has been arguing here in the first five and a half chapters of Galatians. So, since that is the case, since Christ is the end of the law, the question then arises, what does this mean for the followers of Christ? Does it mean that there, there are no laws for us to obey? Does it mean that we now just sort of live any way we want to because, you know, after all, Jesus, he secured our salvation. There can, there can be nothing uh, added to it. There can be nothing subtracted from it. So we don't even have to think in terms of any kind of, you know, rules or law or anything like that. that that's a question that would have undoubtedly been in the minds of the, the Galatians. So, so what are you saying, Paul? Then, you know, are, are there no laws? And that is not what Paul is saying. As a matter of fact, what Paul is, is going to make clear to us is that, as he's been arguing, we are not under the Mosaic law. We're not under that law that was laid out in the books of Moses for justification or sanctification, but we are actually now under a new law. And in chapter 6, verse 2, he refers to it as the law of Christ. And in chapter 6, verse 2, he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we're not under the old law, the law of Moses, but now, now we're under the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Well, the law of Christ is really the law of love. Jesus said on his, his final night before his betrayal and his crucifixion, he said to his followers, he said, a new command I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So that's the new command. That's, that's the law of Christ. It's the, the law of love. So Paul speaks of the law of Christ in Romans 8.2. He speaks of the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus. And so we could, we could look at it like this, that the law of Christ is the law of the spirit, and the law of the spirit is love. Because as we go down to uh, verse 22 here, Paul's going to tell us that the fruit of the Spirit is love. So we are now under the law of Christ. We're under the, the law of love. And it's through love that we relate both to God and to one another. And this is superior to any other law that, that could have been given. You see, in religion, normal religion, all religion, the motivation for morality or the motivation for right living is fear-based. So you, you live a certain way because you're afraid either that you'll be punished if you don't or that you will not experience the full benefit and blessing if, if you don't. That, that's religion. But 
gospel-centered Christianity, the motivation is a dynamic of love. So as we now move into talking about how we live as Christians, let's keep in mind that the foundation for this is love. And of course, if you just think of it in terms of your own experience it, in love relationships, you know, you, you do things for people. You want to please people. You want to bless them. It, it's natural. It, it's natural to love. And this is the way we now are to uh, relate to God. So we are to live the Christian life, which is a life of love for God and people. And we do that by, as Paul says here in verse 16, walking in the spirit. And so he says, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So those are the three verses that we want to uh, focus on today. So let's just walk through these three verses and then we're going to come back and, and focus primarily on, on what it is to walk in the spirit. But to start with, when Paul uses the term walk, which he uses quite frequently in his letters, he's using that to talk about our way of life. So our walk is our way of life. It's the way we conduct ourselves. And so he says, walk in the spirit. Now, the spirit is a, is a reference to the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes in the scripture, you'll find uh, the, the spirit capitalized or, or not. When the, when the spirit is not capitalized, it's uh, most of the time the translators got it right. It's referring to the human spirit. When you have a capitalization, it's referring to the Holy Spirit. So we're talking here about the walking in the Holy Spirit. And this is the, this is the distinction. And this is the thing that Paul is actually bringing the Galatians back around to something that they had initially experienced, but, but something that they had apparently forgotten. And they had, in a sense, they'd sort of traded the, this life in the spirit for this, this legal thing that they came under, where it was all about their ability to perform versus their dependency on the spirit to, to work in them. And we can never lose sight of this. And I've, I've mentioned this several times as we've gone through Galatians. We can never lose sight of this, this distinct experience that the Christian has, it is the experience of being indwelt by the Spirit of God. And, and this is obviously radically different than anything you can find anywhere in any religion. And we have to be careful also to not forget that there are even people who would consider themselves Christians. They would go to uh, Christian churches, or they would refer to themselves as, as Christians, but yet they don't think in terms of being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But really, unless you're indwelt by the Spirit, you're, you're actually not a Christian in the biblical sense. We have people who are culturally Christian. We have people who are nominally Christian. We have you know people who identify as Christians because they were brought up in a you know, in that, that kind of a tradition, 
But what we're talking about here and, and what the Bible describes as a Christian is somebody who is indwelt by the Spirit. And remember, the Spirit is God. There's one God and three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Christian is a person who is indwelt by God. And so Paul is saying, walk in the Spirit. He's saying, walk, conduct yourself, live in the, the realm of the Spirit of God, who is God. And in doing that, as we give ourselves over to the Spirit of God, as we do that, he says that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is how to attain the victory over our flesh. And he speaks now of our flesh, and he tells us that there is a battle that's going on. There is a struggle between the flesh and the spirit. For the flesh, he said, lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So Paul describes here a, a struggle. Now, on the one hand, when you, when you just hear, you know, walk in the spirit, I mean, that's, that's very, it's very simple. It's very straightforward. It's, it's very clear. And yet it's not easy. So it's simple, but it's not easy. And it's not easy because we face opposition. And the opposition comes from within us. You see, from, from within my very being, I, I have opposition that rises up to the, the desires of the Spirit. And that is what Paul is talking about here. That's why we have this struggle. The flesh lusts against the Spirit. The, the flesh has strong desires to uh, subdue the promptings of the Spirit but the good news is the spirit also has strong de desires to, to subdue the promptings of the flesh. Now, the flesh here is, as you probably have figured out, it's a reference to our, our sinful nature, who we are by nature. It's not talking about our, our physical body. It's talking about the nature that we are born with, a nature that is contaminated by sin and, and has a bent toward that. And so that, that sinful nature, that old nature, that person that we were born as wants to have the preeminence. But we now have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. And the Spirit of God wants to have the preeminence. Now, you see what Paul is describing here is this two-nature situation that we alone as Christians experience. Nobody else has this. Only the Christian has this condition here because we and we alone are the only human beings who possess two natures. Our human nature that we were born with and the new nature that we've been given through our faith in Christ. So uh, Peter puts it this way. He says, we have become partakers of the divine nature. But here's the kind of the, the catch. The new nature has not eradicated the old nature. 
you see the two natures coexist. And there's a conflict going on between the two natures. And we live with this. We, we sense this. We, we feel this. We know this. We have, on the one hand, the desire to do those things that please God and honor God and, and are exemplifying the, the nature of God. We, we have that. But then we find that there's this other thing that's happening simultaneously that, that is pushing back against that and, and trying to overpower that. that. That's a reality. And here, the Bible is describing for us, maybe you haven't known what that is. Maybe you've just wondered, like, how, you know, I, I became a Christian. I thought it was all going to be, you know, all of those old things were going to be over. I didn't think I was going to have to struggle with those things or battle with those things anymore. Why do I still have these feelings? Why do I still have these desires? That's because the, the, the sinful nature is still there. But the difference now is that you have the spirit of God indwelling you who will give you the power over those sinful desires. Because just as those desires are pushing against the desires of the spirit, so the spirit is also pushing back. And as we submit to the spirit, we gain the victory over those things of the flesh. And that, that's really how it works. It is a matter of yielding ourselves to one or the other. If we yield to the flesh, we will remain in bondage to the flesh. If we yield to the spirit, we will be set free from those desires of the flesh. Desires, not in the sense that the desire won't be there necessarily, but the desire won't be able to control us as it once did. And so Paul tells us in verse 18, he says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And what he's telling us here is because the spirit is in you, you have power now over the flesh, which you would not have if you were under the law. See, the law could never supply any power. The law didn't bring with it any power. The law just simply said, these things are wrong. These things are sinful. But it, it didn't supply a person with the ability to overcome those things. But now being led by the Spirit means that we are empowered by the Spirit to overcome those sinful practices, those sinful behaviors that once perhaps dominated our lives. And so as we now focus in on Paul's word here in verse 16, let's look at what it is to, to walk in the spirit. And the best way that I can anyway, um, somebody might be able to describe it better, but for me, I, I just think of it in terms of of just being immersed in the spirit. Now, remember, the spirit is in us. The spirit is dwelling in us. And because the spirit is in us, there's, there's desires in us uh, for the things of God, the things that are going to please God and honor God and glorify God and so forth. So that's there. So in, in walking in the spirit, what it comes down to is I'm just, I'm immersing myself in the things of the spirit so that those 
desires that the Spirit is putting there are able to flow freely from my life because as I'm immersing myself in the things of the Spirit, I'm simultaneously subduing the lust of the flesh. See, this, this is how it works. It's as you give yourself over to the Spirit, the Spirit subdues the flesh. So as we give ourselves over, as we immerse ourselves in, as we just make the, the realm of the Spirit the, the place where we live. Now, in the minds of certain people, you have what's called the divide between the sacred and the secular. You ever hear anybody talk about that before where, you know, there, there's this, the sacred, which is, you know, the things of the spirit. And, you know, it's like the church gathering, the, the times that you're with the people of God or the times that you're engaged in something that's specifically about the, the promotion of God's kingdom or the glory of God or something like that. Well, that, that's all the sacred. But then, you know, you've got the rest of life, which is the majority of life, which is the secular. And you kind of go back and forth between the two things. Well, you know, biblically speaking, there isn't really this distinction. The, the Bible says for those who are in the spirit, everything's sacred. So all of life becomes sacred. All of life becomes a place where I can walk in the spirit. I can be immersed in the spirit in every aspect of life, whether I'm at a uh, a church service on Sunday morning, or I'm at my place of employment in the middle of the week. And the, the place of employment that I'm at has, you know, no connection with the kingdom of God, no desire to advance the kingdom of God. It is a secular environment in the truest sense. But nevertheless, that doesn't change it for me. Because in the midst of that, I can still be immersing myself in and living in the realm of the spirit, because some of it has to do with just a heart connection with the Lord on a, on a consistent basis. So I want to just, you know, walk us through some kind of obvious things that will just enhance our, our spiritual experience and bring us to that place that Paul describes here, that this walking in the spirit, if, if we just engage ourselves in these things, we just immerse ourselves in these things. You know, when you, when you read through the scriptures, the one thing that you, you see with the, the people that are uh, highlighted, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, you find that, you know, these, th these people were just, to put it very simply, their whole lives were about Jesus, course, the Old Testament, Jesus hadn't come yet, but their whole everything was, was about the Lord. And so when it comes to the New Testament, it, it's more specifically, but their, their whole life was about Jesus. They did a bunch of other things, but Jesus was at the center of it. And, and that's really what it is to look like for us as well. Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. If you've ever pondered if there is really only one way to God, or if all religions ultimately lead you to God, then this book is for you. Rebecca McLaughlin addresses this very topic and others that confront Christianity head on. 
The book Confronting Christianity is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Galatians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. Hi, this is Cheryl and Brian Broderson. And we wanted to tell you that we're going to Israel in October 2022. And we want you there with us. Yeah, the dates are October 23rd through November 4th. And this is going to be a tremendous trip. Cheryl, what's your favorite thing about Israel? I love the Galilee, but Brian... You and I both know there's so much because we love watching the Bible come alive, whether you're at Tel Aviv or you're at Jerusalem or Caesarea. Yep. Or Mount Mount Carmel. Carmel. Yes. We are so excited about this Israel trip because we absolutely love going to Israel. So we'd love to have you join us October 23rd through November 4th, 2022. And you can find more information at israel.cccm.com. We'd love to have you join us.